Welcome into the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Justin Hall here with you. Thank you so much for joining us for this special edition. If you remember just last week, the South Carolina Senate could not agree on the language coming out of the conference committee on House Bill 5399, the Human Life Protection Act. That act started in an ad hoc committee back in August, and as it sits now, it's dead, not going forward in the state of South Carolina. Last week, we had Senator Josh Kimbrell of Spartanburg on to talk about the Senate view of what took place last week, and happy to be joined today by Representative Josiah Magnuson from Spartanburg as well. I guess the Spartanburg connections run deep for us, but Representative, great having you on with us today. Thank you, Justin. It's an honor to be here. Of course. Uh, so, Representative, I guess I guess we'll start um, really quickly a rundown of the House version. It's been a while. Uh, as, as a quick rundown of the House version that came out of the House and passed originally, uh, that was uh, a ban on abortions from the moment of conception with exceptions, mm -hmm. life of the mother, rape and incest exceptions right. as well. Uh, for folks who know your perspective on this issue, mm -hmm. Uh, the, the rape and incest exception is something that that you have been, I, I don't want to say against, but definitely not something you look for in legislation when it comes to this issue, but you voted for the bill. Sure. Just, just as we've heard a lot of talk about compromise and, and bringing all ideas to the table, why did you vote for the original 5399 in the House? So, well, thank you, Justin. I think that's a great question. So, you know, I was on the ad hoc committee. I was very honored to be appointed to that um, by Speaker Merle Smith. And uh, and you're right, I've been outspoken on this issue that uh, all lives matter, right? And, mm -hmm. and an unborn person uh, also deserves protection. And, uh, and we shouldn't, um, you know, set anybody's human rights aside uh, just because they're disfavored by society. So, um, so I've been outspoken to say that, that, yes, even if you're conceived in rape and incest, you know, you still matter. And, um, and you know, that uh, shouldn't determine your, your dignity. And so I think that when we got down to a, a vote, you know, I, I supported the bill coming out of uh, the ad hoc committee, uh, even though I didn't feel like it was perfect at the time, uh, I voted for it. You know, we wanted to get a piece of legislation um, to the floor and then sort uh, certainly supported it on the floor because, uh, you know, I did think that it had the principle there of protecting all life from conception uh, to the degree that law can, can make that protection, uh, you know, from the moment that, that the pregnancy can be detected uh, from a chemical standpoint, you know, and mm -hmm. so we uh, included that language in the bill. And then the, uh, just the fact that it was very uh, carefully drafted, I think, you know, John McCravey uh, put, uh, did a yeoman's job of, of crafting the bill in such a way that really all objections were answered, you know, that, uh, and the big one there is the fact that it, uh, specifically laid out a lot of the the women's health issues that that have come up uh, the ectopic pregnancy you know is that considered an abortion no you know this bill specifically says that that's not considered um, you got things you know many of us you wouldn't think about you know the abruptio placenta uh, but then you got things like a miscarriage you know that people concerned about well is that considered an abortion and it and it's certainly not and and that was covered in the bill so we really run the ran the gambit and bent over backwards to make sure that uh, women's health emergencies, things that could arise in a pregnancy, uh, there wasn't going to be some insinuation uh, that those couldn't be taken care of uh, in a timely fashion. So we really, I think, did a lot of work uh, to get that bill uh, crafted. And um, even though we had opposition in terms of 
a lot of the the moderate members, you know, wanting those those rape and incest exceptions and, and, you know, some absolutist members of the House that said they wouldn't vote for the bill, in fact, voted to kill the bill uh, when, we, when it did not have the exceptions. Um, I think some of us said it's more important to save babies' lives and have something into law. And so we uh, decided to go ahead and support that final version. So we move ahead. It passes in the House. Pretty overwhelming majority vote for that. That's a bipartisan vote to pass it out of the House. And it goes to the Senate. The Senate has some issues uh, within its own ranks. I, I think Senator Kimbrell put it this way, that there's inter-party or intra-party fighting, and then there's inter-House sort of issues when it comes to House and Senate. So that we have, we have multiple levels of this, and then we have the Supreme Court decision on the heartbeat law that is still yet to come down. Sure. So this is a very, while it's not very complicated, life is life, but politically speaking, it was a it was a situation fraught with plenty of different areas where you might I don't want to say step on the landmine, but certainly there were some there were some hurdles that had to be jumped in the Senate. The Senate does not vote on the original House fifty three ninety nine. They mm-hmm. make changes, and by make changes I mean like changes. Yeah. Um. The the bill that you guys received back in September, I believe it was no it was. An, it was yes, it was in September, late September, early October, was a completely different bill than what you sent over, and so I vote to non-concur, which means we're not going to agree to that. We're going to send you this version back. Mm-hmm. Um, why the vote to non-concur? So, so again, great question. And but to back up as far as the question about is there uh, fighting between factions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I think that to the degree that there's disagreement, you know, there's some of us that, that support the Republican Party platform and that say, hey, you know, we campaigned as Republicans. Let's go ahead and, and follow through on the promises that we made to our constituents. And then there's some that don't want to do that. So I think if there's a question of, of who is fighting whom, um, you know, we, we really need to back up and look at what does the Republican Party platform say? Mm-hmm. It talks about personhood. It talks about that life begins at conception. And it talks about the 14th Amendment protecting life uh, in all cases. And, uh, and so that's where our official stand is. If you run as a Republican for office, mm-hmm. you're making a promise to the people of your district uh, that you're going to, to some level, uh, you know, support that platform. And so if you're uh, fighting against the platform, then I guess my question is, uh, you know, why, why are you running as a Republican? Sure. But um, to your question about non-concurrence, so why then the vote to non-concur? The, I think reality is that there are some things that are right and there's some things that are wrong. Okay, there's some people in the political world that I don't think understand that necessarily, but I, I hope that we can draw that line in the sand on some issues at least. When we voted to non-concur, we said, here's a line in the sand that we have to draw. And that is the principle that life is always sacred and and we have to protect it. There is a principle that government is to protect human rights and human life. And when we have exceptions, you know, rape and incest exceptions, these other things, um, arguably that does deny the rule, but you can have a rule that has exceptions. I think when you change the rule itself is when you get into, uh, you know, it's unquestionable uh, that that is that is not right. And what the Senate tried to do is to say not just we're going to have the rape and incest exceptions. Well, they added the fetal anomaly exception, right, which 
I'm sorry, but doctors can be wrong on that. You know, you can make a diagnosis that's incorrect on an unborn baby. But the really big problem was that we were moving from, as soon as the uh, life can be detected, we we're moving that into six weeks out when the heartbeat is. And there's a couple problems with that. There's a legal problem, which is that if you pass that language, then you render the Supreme Court case that's going on, you render that moot, and then you allow them to actually file a new lawsuit, which is probably not going to be adjudicated till late in the spring or so. So you're actually losing months of time when you could be saving lives. But then the other reason, again, just goes back to this thing, that there's a principle of right and wrong. If we were to uh, vote for six weeks instead of life at conception, uh, we would be basically saying we don't believe that human life matters. Uh, we're not only trying to change the exceptions to the rule, we're trying to change the rule itself. And we just said that's a bridge too far. We've already compromised over and over and over again on this. And, and we're not going to really go any further um, because we, we feel like um, to do that is a, is a violation of the promise that we've made to the people of South Carolina. So I guess that leads into, into, into my next question. Uh, just last week, we see that the conference committee meets and they meet the first time, then they come back and meet again, and the Senate is called back into session. And that, that pretty much is where the bill uh, ends. Life of the bill ends there. Um, as I'm, I'm sure you were following um, the comments being made on the floor of the Senate uh, on this legislation and on this topic. Your, your thoughts after spending months uh, of work, mm -hmm. uh, of course, House and Senate members, of course, both sides, uh, but Representative Sy Magnuson is here with us, so I'm able to say you spent months on this. I did. Uh, from the ad hoc committee on. Your thoughts uh, last week as, as the bill met at what I would refer to as an untimely end yeah. in the South Carolina Senate. Well, look, I mean, yeah, it's frustrating. We spent, you know, months, I feel like months of my life, you know, invested in this. Um, I mean, I have been advocating on these issues, um, you know, since I got elected. That's one of the reasons why I ran in the first place. Um, was because I, I believe we need to end abortion in South Carolina once and for all. And, um, and so I'm certainly not taking some sort of a divergent stance than what I have up till this point. But the, I, I think that when we saw, you know, for example, the Senate Majority Leader get up on the floor of the Senate and talk about that, you know, he feels like the reason why this was unsuccessful was, uh, you know, amateur political strategy. I mean, to me, that's, a, that's really an insult, and it is nothing could be further from the truth because we actually in the House demonstrated that we could get a bill passed, that we could work together and work out our differences and all support something uh, and get it across the finish line. And it's the Senate that, that voted this bill down. They could not get the votes to do what they said they were going to do. Um, what's ironic is that the Senate Majority Leader, you know, he talks about that, that you know, he feels like we can't uh, have the votes for the correct strategy, and yet he was the one that turned around and voted against the bill, you know, to table it, and, and so he doesn't have anyone to blame but himself, in my opinion, because he's actually opposing the bill. If he were to vote for it, then maybe there would be some shred of credibility, but, but he voted against it. So he's voting to kill the bill, and he wants to blame somebody else for his own actions. I think that's just wrong, and it goes to show why people don't trust politicians, and, and people are kind of fed up with Columbia right now. 
So before we get before we get to the last point that I want to make that, that, that you're kind of alluding to there, you, you have something with you that I know you want to share with the folks. Sure. Because a lot of this issue goes back to, and I, and I wrote a piece that will be up on palmettofamily.org here soon, uh, the Christian's response to the midterm elections, where we mm-hmm. saw what would thought to be a red wave, tur- red wave turned out to be nothing more than a little bit of a trickle, mm-hmm. except in South Carolina, of course, sure. a ruby red state. Um, there's a biblical response to everything, yes. and there's a biblical worldview that should be held by all Christians mm-hmm. uh, to everything, including including civics and including government. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Justin. And that goes to another point I was going to allude to here, which is the Bible says that righteousness exalts a nation. It doesn't say political strategy exalts a nation. It doesn't say doing whatever seems convenient at the time exalts a nation. And there is a point for leaders, for civic authority figures, to step up and and draw that line in the sand and say, hey, somebody believes in absolute truth here. Somebody believes in right and wrong. And so I've written a little bit about that uh, in a 12-week study called Biblical Civics, and I certainly will look forward to getting this out. Uh, We're getting it finished up, hopefully by the end of the year, and it's going to be kind of a Sunday school uh, course or Bible study small group, and um, hopefully give folks a little more perspective on some of the nuts and bolts of how government works from a biblical perspective and um, and our duty to establish justice and what that means and then how we can get involved in that. And, and, and be looking for that as well. One one final thing, Representative Magnuson uh, from the 38th District of South Carolina, Spartanburg County. Um, as we look ahead to the new legislative session, uh, Republican caucus, House Republican caucus met mm-hmm. uh, before this recording uh, to lay out strategy and, and mm-hmm. to lay out goals for the coming year. Um, we'll see more of those strategy planning sessions as, as time gets closer, but uh, for just for the sake of understanding, the original signing die was set on, in May, as it normally is, uh, but we, have, we, we were nearly a year-round legislature this year. Um, as we look ahead to 2022 and 2023, uh, because it's a two-year session in South Carolina, this issue of abortion, this issue of protecting life, mm-hmm. I'll put it that way, um, we saw multiple ballot measures in multiple states voted down or voted up depending on the perspective of the vote in places like Michigan, Kansas, California, several others. Hmm. What do you see this fight, this battle, going in the next legislative session? Because I, I believe we see where the House stands. Mm-hmm. I think you guys have made that clear. I think we see where the Senate stands. I think they made that abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. For the pro-life folks who are watching and for, for our audiences, they're always keyed in on the issues. Where do we go in twenty in your estimation in, yeah. in 2023? So there's a, a lot of different factors at play here, right? So the, obviously the first thing is to protect um, what I liked what uh, Ashley Trantham and Melissa Oremus wrote uh, back before the House non-concurred. They talked about how that, you know, we're not talking about pieces of a pie when we address the issue of life, we're talking about a precious gem that if you try to take a piece out of it, you shatter the whole, you shatter the entire precious gem. And I think that we have to protect that gem. We have to, to stand up for that life at conception uh, and and take a stand on that principle that, that every single life counts and, and is created by God with that the unalienable right to life. So that's you know, going to continue to be the, uh, I think, the line we draw in, that, in the sand. Again, you know, it's just there's some things that are right and some things that are wrong. And if we don't, um, you know, draw that line here, then I don't know where we do it. So we're going to continue to take that stand. I think 
as far as the practical bills that are filed, you're going to see a lot of strong legislation. We're going to have to deal with some of the uh, whatever comes down from the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court. So that's going to be interesting to see where the court falls. Um, there is one of two things that will happen. Either they will establish, uh, I think what you and Senator Kimball were talking about and, and uh, Mr. Wilson, you know, about the, um, you know, right to privacy and all of that. Yeah. Uh, if they establish that, then I think we probably need the constitutional amendment, right, to uh, either a personhood amendment, something like that, which I've supported in the past. Um, we also need to get a conservative in as a Supreme Court justice. That's going to be the other big theme here is uh, I think you're going to see some, some real radical liberals running for that seat, um, which I support judicial reform in the first place. But while we have this uh, ability as a legislature to elect the judges, we've got to have uh, the, you know, the body stand together and, and choose a conservative that's, that's going to support uh, unborn life and, and all lives and, and really um, you know, do what, what needs to be done here uh, and not vote in a way that's, that I think the whole state is probably um, you know, going to reject. I mean, it, I think that the people of South Carolina do support uh, the uh, right to life, and I think that you saw that in our statewide elections, in our state house races. Um, we see strong conservatives winning, but now it's time to follow through. So that's going to be the question is, are we able to follow through, again, on those promises we made? Just the fact that you run as a Republican, to me, means that you are going to work to end abortion in South Carolina. Um, I think that's a challenge to every Republican legislator, Republican senator is, hey, step up to the plate. This is a chance to lead. And uh, are you going to do what's right? Or are you going to, as people have said, uh, do what's politically strategic right. and convenient, uh, you know, for your own best interest? So that's the House perspective. And, and I was happy that Representative Magnuson asked to, to come on with us. You reached out to us and we appreciate that because I believe it's important to get all perspectives on an issue, um, especially on an issue as fraught with, with, we said disagreements earlier, but I, I think differences of opinion maybe, and, and differences of stances to whether it's uh, political strategery, that's a word for you, or, or, or something to that effect, the essence of just getting something done or, or standing on an issue. And so it's important to get both sides, and Representative Magnuson, thank you so much for for stopping in. Hopefully it won't be the last time as we get closer. Maybe we can have you on to talk about judicial reform. We're I'd love to do that. We'll talk about some, uh, I, that one, if you want to get messy, <laughs> this, yes. you think abortion is a messy topic, judicial reform especially, gets even further in Especially the selecting judges in South Carolina. That is an issue that I'm still trying to wrap my head around and not ready to discuss it on the air because you would just get like drool and smoke <laughs> coming out of the ears. It wouldn't make any sense. But we appreciate you taking the time uh, with Thank us you, today. Thank you, Justin. Absolutely. Appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And for you, thank you so much for joining us today as we continue this conversation on what happened to H5399. If you want more information on House Bill 5399 and the pro-life movement and the efforts happening here at Palmetto Family, I encourage you to go to palmettofamily.org. There you can sign up for our newsletter, our email updates. You can also read our blog posts where we're giving you everything you need to know from a biblical world view. And of course, this podcast, you can like, share, subscribe, give us that five-star rating and review so we continue to pop up near the top of everybody's searches just when they type in PAL. If you go to Spotify and type in PAL, we're the first one that comes up. That's because of you continuing to share all the work that we're doing here, and we appreciate that. If you want to know more about what we're doing, again, palmettofamily.org is where you can go. For Kevin Cayello, Mitch Prosser, Dave Wilson, who is, uh, who is uh, 
on assignment in other parts of the country. We appreciate you joining us today for another episode of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast.